Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here this afternoon with David Henderson. Are you all? And we are here today to discuss, David, your sermon from this past Sunday, um, based once again on Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. Uh, and the title is a question, which is, when? So, yes. yeah, so what we are doing this Advent season is we are go, we're sticking in the same, staying in the same passage, Luke verses 1 through 20, and asking different questions each Sunday and then on Christmas Eve as well. Um, Brentley has the questions down flat in the exact order and I they're out of order for me because it's who, what, when, where, why, how. It's what I was taught and I cannot yes. get them in my head straight. But this week's question was when. Yes. Yeah. And uh, just that, as I'm thinking about this, um, Brentley and I were actually just talking uh, yesterday in our preaching meeting about, um, I can't think of a time when we've ever preached on a passage and then turned right around the next Sunday and preached on the same passage and then done that again. Mm -hmm. It's a very different way to, to approach the passage. But one of the things that's, um, that I think is really fun about this is completely apart from whatever insight this may open up and bringing us kind of to the heart of the passage, it also is modeling a very easy and very effective way to do our own personal Bible study. Mm. Uh, the, the idea of inductive Bible study um, is, a, that may be a term that's familiar for some, but it really just means um, asking questions of the text and letting the, rather than bringing conclusions to it, you are drawing conclusions from it. And mm -hmm. so you're, these, these different questions open up different aspects of it. And so part of the standard approach with an inductive Bible study is you're asking these questions. So what happened? What, what's the basic sequence of events? And then what's significant about where it happens? What's significant about when it happens? What's significant about who's involved? And so often by doing, kind of looking, asking each of those individual questions, you start uh, prying open dimensions of the passage that you would never notice or think about otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so it's been it's kind of strange, particularly, I think for Brentley, it was probably challenging. It's just like, okay, what happened? And that's like, well, wait, there's so much meaning to open up that's related <laughs> to where and when and who. Um, and he didn't get a chance to delve into that. But uh, I think it is really a fun way and a rich way to get beneath the surface. And so often that we, you know, they talk about how if the, if you don't have the trajectory of the, of the uh, space capsule, just right, it'll bounce off the Earth's atmosphere. I think we right. can do that as readers. You know, we the yeah. fifth time or tenth time or fiftieth time we come to a passage, we can just bounce off of it. It's like I know every word in this, mm. and these are the kinds of questions that like become like elevator shafts that drop us down uh, into the riches that are to be found down in the uh, in the veins and loads that are there. Mm. Yes, and I. Yes, because I mean, even in your, in this in this sermon, um, you just kind of focused on three words in those days, and you know, well, when is that? So then that brought us to 
the path to Luke chapter one, and it took us to the historical record of, of the census and, um, you know, which was very interesting because I had, I mean, I've, I've been studying the Bible for quite a while, but also not scholarly study. So, but I had never heard of the problem with the census um, as, as a question of the historical accuracy of scripture. Um, so I found that really interesting Thanks. to learn yeah, about. It, it is, I think, um, because ultimately our faith is a matter of faith and not just of proof, I think sometimes right. we can feel a little iffy when people raise questions about, well, what about this? This doesn't seem mm. to line up with the historical record. Um, and I think sometimes we don't really know how to respond. And um, and this is, I was aware that there was an issue and I kind of, I probably could have summed it up roughly, uh, but it was really fun to be able to dive into it <clears throat> and to see different ways that people have sought to uh, approach the issue. Um, and then to see how, how really readily it's solved is just as you spend a little bit more time in the passage. Um, mm. Well, and I think it shows the importance of understanding that, that what we are working from, most of us who aren't Greek scholars, <laughs> what we're working with is a translation um, yes. that is done by Greek scholars, but, but the inspired word of God is the Greek original text. And yes. so we just need to remember that and hold our translations, um, you know, op open-handedly yep. with understanding that, you know, yeah, the NIV is probably what I use most often, but also there could be something that isn't as easily understood as when I go, when, um, you know, somebody who has the knowledge of, of, of Greek can go in and, and parse that out a little bit more yeah so sometimes i mean this also highlights M michelle and I, I think that's that's right and so it's like well what do i do if i don't have the language background um i one of the things that i found really really helpful and i do this every time i preach um you're probably familiar with the bible gateway uh, mm. resource on mm -hmm. the computer it's a free tool and it's incredible and um once you, once you go to that, you just type in the passage that you're interested in looking at, and then it gives you the option of doing a side-by-side -side comparison between different translations. Or if you just pick one verse, it will list every English translation of that particular verse. And you can immediately see like, okay, all of these portions of this passage are essentially translated exactly the same by everybody. Okay, so it's just, that's a very straightforward translation thing. But this is really interesting. This one where they use this word here, they use a completely different word here. And then this one is more of an interpretive phrase because they realize mm. it's an idiom from another language and we don't know what it means. Like horn of salvation. What are we talking about? The horn of salvation mm. um, that Zechariah talks about. Um, is that a trumpet horn or is that a horn like an animal horn or what, what, do, you, right. what do you make of that? And, and that's where, um, so, so I, I find it really helpful to, just pull that up and, and cruise through it real quickly. And then that, like in this case, there are a couple of translations that picked up on this historical error if you translate it one way and mm -hmm. approach it a different way. Uh, mm -hmm. The New Testament for everyone, and I think it was the Orthodox Jewish Bible were 
two that I think nailed the translation on this one. Mm -hmm. And it's also, I find the, the Phillips translation of the New Testament very helpful as well because it's kind of the expanded nuanced and uh and he'll put in um synonyms like it here's the word but then it could also it also has connotations of this 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 and this um thus the expanded i think that's what it's called well there's an amplified bible uh, amplified yeah and that's different than the phillips oh, but phillips okay. is yeah. also a great translation uh done the middle of last century by a British guy. Um, and so it has a few British idioms that can be a little confusing, but it is a really good interpretive translation. I, I love the Phillips uh, yeah. and the Amplified can be helpful. The only, the only thing about the Amplified and you, I'm sure you're aware of this, but um, then you get into the question of, well, if a word could mean all these things, does it actually in some way mean all of those things? And, and right. that's where it's like, well, no, in this context, um, the way that this author has used it in other times, the range of meanings actually is more like this than it is like this. But right. I, I think you're right. It can you can pick up some of those interpretive differences in a very helpful mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. I, I find the New Living Translation is the one I just keep coming back to as the best really faithful translation of what's present, but also they do a great job of translating in a way that's sensitive to uh, language idioms and to cultural dynamics and hmm. uh, so like like book of romans it's like there's so much there and it's kind of complicated they it just makes it such clear reading and it's so faithful it's not it's not leaving anything out it's all there but it's done and what remind me again the new living translation new living translation um, yeah not the new living bible which is a paraphrase that a guy right. did just riding back and forth on the train uh, oh that's the living bible the um, living bible right yeah, but the New, New Living, Living translation, translation, NLT, uh, mm -hmm. I, I find, I read that for my daily devotional uh, reading, and I find that uh, always will look at that when I'm preaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, back to the sermon. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so when you were talking about the census and bringing up that issue, um, you know, I think I think the bottom line, big picture idea there in that section was, is that we can have confidence in the historical accuracy of the Bible. That's right. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I shared one example of how there was a question about Luke's reliability uh, related to um, a passage in, in Acts. It's, it's interesting that up until I like the, you know, I, I think uh, Ray Vanderlaan said that even as of like 15 years ago, only uh less than it was i can't remember it's less than one percent or less than ten percent of all archaeological discoveries have been made uh that's they've they've only dug into um hmm. a, such a small portion of what's actually underground and and up until the middle of last century there was not any place outside of the bible where pontius pilate's name was was found and so there was a growing suspicion among liberal scholars that that it was just made up by the the new testament writers they needed some way to explain why jesus this revolutionary died and and then they were doing a historical dig in uh caesarea philippi um and or no caesarea maritima along the coast mm -hmm. and you probably know that they sorry this is kind of rabbit trailing but they would <laughs> they would take the 
they would always reuse materials from buildings because marble was hard to come by and, and stone that was cut. Uh, so they were um, fixing a site, an ancient sidewalk, and they picked up one of the paving stones uh, to just clean under it before they put it back down. And on the back was a, an inscription uh, that was from a temple and it had the name Pontius Pilate on it, talked about all the things he did as governor. And, and it's like suddenly, you know, this one little stone flips over and here's, wow, look at this. And, and yeah. that corroboration happens again and again and again with the mm -hmm. New Testament, yeah. And even the Old Testament. I remember right. yes. when I was in high school, my grandpa and my dad loved the Biblical Archaeology Review magazine. And oh, yeah. they were talking about the Hittites, never mentioned anywhere. People were like, that they, the Hittites never existed. And then there was an archaeological finding that that verified the existence of the Hittites. Yep. So yep. yeah, it's fascinating if you want, if you are into archaeology, it's it can be a fun rabbit trail to go down. Yes. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yes. Um so and there is a there's a and uh, what is it? You may remember it. There's a translation of the Bible that is filled with footnotes about archaeological findings connected to the, all the various portions of the text. It might be the archaeology oh, yeah. Bible or something like that. Uh, it's a great resource, uh, really well researched and mm -hmm. uh, I have a lot of respect for that. It's a great tool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember hearing about it. I think my dad might even have a copy of it, but I, I haven't looked at it myself. That's a great one. Yeah. So, um, so in your sermon on Sunday, you said there were two problems, the problem of the census and the problem with our senses. And I was like, wait, what? Yes, right. <laughs> it's one of those tricky words. They sound yeah. very, very similar. Um, but, but the point you were getting at is we live in time and space. And so we we are very much aware of our physical senses, our sight, our sound, what we smell, what we hear, what we feel. Um, and so it's easy for us to think that's all there is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to think as we're trying to make sense of our lives, um, where are we going? What, what are these times in which I live? It's so easy to think like, you know, this in those days, it starts right off and starts to talk about political leaders. Well, we could, it's so tempting for us to think, well, this is the time when Donald Trump used to be president and Joe Biden is president. And Donald Trump would like to be president again. And this is what's going on in France. And this is what's going on in Brazil and uh, politically. Mm -hmm. um, and to think that that's the most important thing we can say about our times or uh, use the example of, you know, you narrow that down what was going on in the religious climate in those days. And chapter one gives us a lot on that. And then mm -hmm. here's Zechariah's life. And here's this big moment in his career where he, he gets to be the one to go into the Holy of Holies. But then there's this um, very painful uh, area of struggle with his wife, Elizabeth, uh, and their, their struggles with infertility uh, during their married life and the sadness and the aloneness of, of that. It's like, um, it's so easy for us to think that what I see, what I experience, what I'm walking through, that that's what defines my life, that that's the gist of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, yeah, but when we look at in those days, we realize that I loved that graphic that you had mm -hmm. of the sundial, S-O-N dial, um, that talked about the different um, epics of time in 
in biblical history. You know, we have creation, we have the rebellion, and then reconciliation, and then the new creation. And so I, I thought that was a really great visual to help me understand that um, just like we mark our days, God is marking time, but in a very different way than we do. Exactly. And uh, we, I, I brought up what is familiar to some people, the fact that the Greek has two different terms for mm -hmm. time. And one is time in, in equally measured units, the way we usually think about time, but the other is, uh, which is chronos. And then there's kairos time, which is time that is jammed full with the purposes and intentions of God. So time that comes carrying its own intentions with it as God packs it up and sends it to us. So it sort of seasons where God is up to something. And yeah, so all of that was sparked by, you know, my saying, all right, I'm asking the question when. The mm. very first three words of this passage, in those days, all right? Well, what days? And in those days means it's something we've already been talking about. So I have to go to back to chapter one. And you start back in the beginning, and there are like 25 time references in chapter one. Hmm. But it's this one specifically in the tender mercies of God, He has allowed the light of heaven to to um, will will shine on our darkness and drive away the the shadow of death or whatever it is. And that picture of in God's uh, timing in His Kairos time, there is just a day. There was darkness, sunlight was promised, and then the sun rises. And then that day comes to a culmination when the sun returns. You know, it's there, it's like the single day. Um, and I, I was just so convinced that what Luke is saying is in those days, that is at the moment when the light of the sun crested on the horizon and the day mm -hmm. began. Mm -hmm. Right. And it helps us to, um, you know, as I think about the big idea for this section, um, I think it's a challenge for us to measure our days in God's time and not our time. So in Kronos time versus, I'm sorry, Kairos time versus Kronos time. Would you agree with I that? I think that's exactly, yes, I think that's exactly right. And then and then I would add to that kind of even the slightly more narrowing funnel because God then opens up for us. And what is the, the unique redemptive thing that I'm doing during this Kairos period? God tells us. Um, mm. And it comes through um, in an elaborated form in Luke chapter one in Zechariah's prayer and celebration of the birth of his son. And it comes through in a succinct form, the same exact themes in the announcement of the angels um, at the birth of Jesus. So in both cases, they're saying this season, this reconciliation season is defined by what God is doing in human history with reference to Jesus. So why did Jesus come? Well, it's for these three reasons to, to rescue us, bring us salvation, forgiveness of sins. It's to um, so we experience him as savior. It's to bring us into a place of rightly living our lives for him as holy and righteous people formed in the likeness of Jesus uh, to him who is 
Christ, Messiah, King, those words are all interchangeable. Whenever you hear the word Christ or Messiah, always think King, um, mm. and then Lord. Um, so those, and then the third one is the, the Prince of Peace comes, uh, peace on or glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. So that peace comes by as he guides us in the path of peace. So um, yeah, that was, that was what really struck me as I thought, you know, there, God, I don't have to guess what is the overarching theme of what God is up to mm. redemptively during this time between the first time Jesus came and the second time he, he lays it out. Zechariah lays it out. The angels lay it out. Here's what I'm up to says God in the, in the person of Jesus. Right. And so, you know, as we think about that, that's the big picture. And then the question is for us, what is God up to in, in me? Which the answer today. is today, which is always form Christ in me. Yes. It's um, exactly the same answer. If I don't know Jesus, it's yeah. to bring me into salvation. If I do, it's to learn how to live my life under his rule and to walk in the path of peace and purpose. Right. Yes. And it, and that looks different for each one of us. Yes. You know, David's path of peace, walking, following Jesus is going to look different than Michelle's. It's going to look different than any other person in the covenant congregation um, family or in any other um, any other believer in the greater Lafayette area or around the world. It's going to look, yeah. it, it will look different with all the same purpose. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so I, I think, um, yeah, there's another, I mean, I could have gone on for 45 more minutes to say, all right, so let's really get practical in talking about what this might mean for us. So I'm in school and I'm trying to pick my major. Um, or um, I'm um, praying about a couple of vocational opportunities that are in front of me, or I just got diagnosed with cancer, or um, I am dealing with a child who has really, really significant uh, developmental issues or whatever. I mean, we take any issue and it's right. so easy for us to go back to the problem of the senses. I look at this through what I'm, encountering in this thing in this place mm -hmm. and to be able to think what um how do i think about this part of my life in this part of my life jesus has risen as the sun shining onto this moment carrying out god's purposes of rescuing me and forgiving me of bringing me more and more into his likeness and under the the loving rule of god and bringing me in in a path of peace and purpose while I face this cancer, while I walk my child through this, while I am praying through what God would have me do in terms of serving, while I'm in this challenging relationship. And to have that frame of reference on everything, mm -hmm. it, it so dramatically shifts. Um, what are the opportunities? What are the problems? What are the choices I'm making? We approach all those things so differently if we see it all through the, the lens of God's redemptive purpose and his presence. Right. I mean, and, you know, and I think too, there's, there's an element of, we can feel like, God, I need to know exactly what to do for the next 
you know, five minutes over the next 24 hours or the next three years, right? Like I just, I need the path to walk on. And God says, I'm really more interested about your character. I'm really more interested about your heart. And, um, and I will be with you, whether you choose major A or B, whether you choose vocational option A or B, I will be there. And, um, and I think, you know, he is interested in the details. I mean, and like he gives us freedom in the details. Hmm. Do you think that's true? I, I certainly there are, there's some level we get to in our life. It's like, well, should I put um, one turn of salt on uh, my eggs or two? God, I absolutely believe there, that God does not have an opinion about that. There's not. A, a way that is more faithful as a Christian or less faithful between those two. Um, and then there's some high level uh, where we can say with confidence that we believe that God would have a will or an intention related to a specific decision. Things like, things like uh, will I be married and who will I marry and, and what vocations should I pursue and and, and some of those kinds of large things. And somewhere in between there, it shifts from this is the thing that God is going, has a specific opinion about, to this is something that he would have us um, uh, decide on our own. But either way, Michelle, you're saying something that is so important, I think, which is that like what, 87%, 93% of the will of God for our lives has already been revealed in the scriptures by the spirit. Right. God, what what are you doing in this time of my life? Well, uh, I sent my son so that you could be reconciled to me and you could live in the freedom of, of the forgiveness that I bring and the new life. And I sent my son so that you could learn what it means for him to be the king of your life. And as he forms his likeness in you and you grow in righteousness and holiness. And uh, it is my intention that I would lead you more and more in a, in a path of peace and purpose that comes from having me in the right place in in your life and then we can talk about the specifics of what does that mean with this decision that's right in front of me but those those things and other things like them are are already so elaborated upon by God and I think that's where you know what you're describing is this kind of fretting anxiousness what mm-hmm. if I miss God's will well <laughs> you know, He's not sending down little parachutes with, and today the plan is, it's like, I already have it. I, I read the scriptures this morning and, and God has already laid out for me uh, what he's inviting me into today in, mm-hmm. in large part. And yes, as I come to individual division, decisions, I can pray for God's guidance by his spirit and then press forward to freedom in those. Right. There's a, there is such freedom Yeah. in following Christ and recognizing that um, it, you know, it's my responsibility to follow him and, and, and choose, choose Jesus, right? That's my responsibility. That, that's my part. That's, and um, it's not necessarily my job to change the world right and and i think that there's a lot of freedom in that 
Yeah, absolutely. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You know, the, it, it's not our job to take upon our shoulders the burdens that rest on God's shoulders. Yeah. We're to be informed by those burdens that rest on God's shoulders, but those don't become our burdens. And I think that's the, you know, if, if I'm living a life of constant anxiousness that I might be disappointing God or displeasing him, then there's, that's probably a good indicator that there is a freedom that God intends for me that I'm not mm. living in that may reflect the very thing you just said, that I, I'm persuaded that the primary weight of this rests on me and on me getting it right. Mm. And boy, I'm so grateful that the kingdom of God unfolding in this world does not depend upon me getting right it right because it sure wouldn't happen if that were dependent upon me so true for me too <laughs> yeah for right. me too and, yeah. and so then i think even you know in some ways michelle to to go back even one step further um, my job is to choose god and then to open my life to him and my mm. heart and everything yeah. else even my pursuing my relationship with him is really his work in me Right. Um, my reaching out to my neighbor. Yes, that's a choice. That's, but that's really a yes to the work that I believe that God by his spirit is wanting to equip me for and make possible for me when I don't feel inclined to do it, or I feel too tired, or I, I feel afraid or nervous or afraid I'm going to be rejected. Um, so the, so much of the Christian life comes down to just the simplest word. I trust you. I open my life to you. You do yeah. the rest. Uh, right. And and then when that's informed by the redemptive purposes of God, wow, yeah, we live with such freedom and fruitfulness, which is him bearing the fruit of his own life in us, not look at what I did for you today. Yes, yes. Uh, which is also so freeing. Yeah, it is. And yeah. that's not us being slackers from a Christian perspective. That's actually us rightly understanding the disproportion between earth size me and sun size God, that we're not equals in this. And it's not like, God, you do your part, I'll do my part. No, I, there's no way anything's going to happen unless, God, you do all of this. And mm -hmm. I just, my greatest work of faith is to, to cooperate with what God yeah. wants to do in and through me. Yeah. And, yeah. In the midst of Kronos time, that we measure with our senses and the circumstances we find ourselves in yep. to understand the Kairos purposes of God. Right. And, and, and by referencing that there is always that tension We're we are earthbound, time bound people. I, right. Bedtime's going to come. I have to get my sleep. Um, you know, that whatever it is, we're on a schedule. Um, and somehow God is so gracious and kind to work in us and around us and through us, even in the midst of all those profound limitations that we have as, right. as earthbound, yes. time-bound, sense-bound creatures. Yes. And thank God for that. Yeah, he can absolutely. multiply our, our resources our, in ways that we cannot understand. Yeah. I, I think that's really right. Um, yeah. So I, I love, I mean, it, um, I love your connecting, which I didn't in my sermon, but I think it's absolutely a right link, connecting, um, seeing the time through the lens of Kairos and what God is doing redemptively 
on the one hand and our freedom as the people of God on the other hand. I, I think that's a really right connection that you're making, Michelle, in episodes. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> well, before we close, any last thoughts that you would like to share? Uh, well, I think, um, you know, it's interesting because the, like the application for this message is not, so when it's Thursday, go do this, take 10 minutes and do this. You know, it's not, it's not right. that kind of a message. And that's probably true for the whole series. It's really more, how do I live into a different way of seeing? Mm. And and I'm convinced that that kind of thing only comes when we come to a place of stillness. So I guess, you know, just thinking practically speaking, what does this mean? Well, I wonder what would happen if every morning we were to start off and say, God, give me eyes to see my life and these times through your eyes and not my own. Mm. How, how could I see everything and every person I encountered, encountered today through your redemptive lens in terms of what you are doing in this world through Jesus? who who has crested the horizon and whose light now shines in our world. Um, and, and then coming to the end of the day and God, where did I see your light shining? And were there places that I cooperated with that? Praise God, Lord, you made that possible. Were there places I failed to cooperate with that? Lord, forgive me and, and give me eyes that are a little clearer tomorrow than they were today. And, um, so I think it's that kind of a way of living into this that ultimately mm -hmm. will, will have the, the long-term effect of shifting our our sight and more and more seeing um, these days as those days that God refers to rather than these days that we are in charge of. Yes. Yeah. I think that's good. And just to remember, it is a, we're all a work in progress, right? It's yeah. not like you're gonna, you're, if you go to bed tonight thinking, God, give me clearer eyes tomorrow, that tomorrow your background is going to be as clear as David's compared to mine, right? I mean, you know, our eyes Shouts are compared still, to mine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. our eyes are still going to be a little bit blurry, um, and we're not going to be able to see clearly. I think is it in Corinthians where it says we see as through a glass darkly, mm -hmm. yeah. And um, and so we can just see we we just can't see clearly on on this earth in this time right now before Christ's second coming. But I love that Jesus heals the guy in, um, where is that? I can't remember, Bethany maybe. Um, and uh, so that he can see, and he says, yeah, I can see, but everybody looks like trees walking around and Jesus touches them a second time. Um, you know, right. I think that's a yeah. great reminder that sometimes sight comes to us with greater clarity over time as a work of healing that God does and not yes, just not just instantaneously yeah well thank you David thank you for your time to today you. thank you good to be with you too and thank you too for to our audience um, whether you're joining us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast we are grateful that you spent a few minutes of your time with us today to discuss when and time Kairos and Kronos. <laughs> like which one did I say first? <laughs> right, right, right. Yes. It's yeah. easier when you when you see them written down to know the it's difference. So true. Yeah. And that's <laughs> isn't that true with any word in another language? Like 
Oh, I can't remember that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Great to be with you.